your Bibles, Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. Man, the purpose of our worship is found, its foundation is found in Genesis and creation. Whenever Lucifer was cast into the earth and threw it all into chaos, God being a God of order, he showed us how to fix up what the devil has messed up. Everybody say, God can fix up what the devil has messed up. Amen. The first thing that he did was there was a move of, the, of God and the Spirit of God moved. The second thing that there was was, and God said. So our worship is to precede and prepare a man of atmosphere for God to inhabit like he's done here today. And then once he shows up, his spirit begins to move. And then it's followed by a word from God. If that happens, there's nothing that can stop God from doing for you what needs to be done. Thank you all 12 of you. So the worship is not just about band practice or a gig or uh, just doing our deal. We understand that our worship attracts God and then he moves over our waste place. Word waste is uh, form, it's without form and void, which is waste, place, desolate, or desolation. So many times we come to God and everything feels like it's just wiped out. Everything in our life is just desolate. All you need is a move of God. Amen. On the things that seem like they're wasted or desolate, and then you need God to speak to you. And that can recreate what the enemy has messed up. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. So let me just uh, tag in with what your pastor mentioned here as he felt. I believe it's the Holy Ghost. I won't be long. Somebody said, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Uh, Genesis 37, 28, give honor to your pastor and his wife. If I can have a little gain on this mic, that'll help me. And uh, appreciate the Browns. How many of you love them? Amen. Appreciate it. Amen. And then my good friend, Brother David Keller. How many of you love Brother David Keller? Thank God for him. And uh, he just, amen. Well, anyway, I won't say what he told me, but anyway, I'm glad to be here. He just, amen, I was going to leave as soon as church is over, and he just rebuked me, and he calls me his elder, but I took it. Hallelujah. And I'm going to hang around a little while, and I'm going to do what Pastor said. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rest. I'm going to get a little rhythm today. Might play. Amen. I don't know. So uh, it's all right. Well, Genesis 37. Then there passed by Midianites merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. And Reuben returned unto the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit. Everybody say, Joseph was not in the pit. And so Reuben rent or rips his clothes and he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not and I, whither shall I go? They took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of goats, dipped the coat in the blood and they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he, Jacob, said, It's my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted and said, For I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Thus his father wept for him. For him. Verse 33 Jacob said, it's my son's coat, and an evil beast hath devoured him. I want to preach for just the next few minutes on, it's not what you think it is. And the pastor's already got up and said, there's just uh, fear over the future, and your past is haunting you, and things of that nature. And so I want to talk to you about some of the things you're looking at, and I want to tell you that it's not what you think it is. Amen? It's not what you think it is. So... Amen. Lord, we thank you for this service. We thank you for this moment with your word and your people. 
And I pray now for an open door of utterance that we can declare the mysteries of the gospel of Christ. Let each word and let this word be tailor-made for each person in their circumstances. Let us receive your word, amen, with good ground and an open spirit. And everybody said, amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. While yet in the womb, the two boys wrestle. Brothers tumbling and fighting before they are even born. The tumbling and tossing and turning is because of a prophetic utterance that was delivered to a mother that said these are not just two boys, but they are two nations. Upon the firstborn will rest the blessing of the, breath of the firstborn and his inheritance will be double. He will be the head of the house and he will be blessed. The wrestling in the womb seems to indicate that there will be a battle, a wrestling for this blessing. Who would be the firstborn? When delivery pains come upon the mother and the babies are beginning to be delivered, the first hand that comes from the womb, the midwife, ties a red cord upon the hand indicating that this child would be first. It was Esau. But when that baby was born, the second baby was right on his heels. Literally, the Bible said, had reached out and grabbed the heel of the firstborn. There was a tumbling in it. Who was going to be first? And when delivery came, it was Esau. But Jacob had a hold of the heel and he was wanting to be as close to first as he could. It is here that we begin to move the story ahead and we find out about the firstborn Esau. He should have been happy to get the firstborn blessing. He should have been happy to be the head of the house and get a double inheritance. But he hates the holy things of God and he loves the carnal things of the world. But it is Jacob, the secondborn, the, the lastborn that loves the holy and hates the carnal. Again, Esau hates the holy and loves the carnal, but Jacob loves the holy and hates the carnal. It was Esau's roaring in his hungry stomach that will eventually win over against the prophetic utterance and proclamation of the Lord. His flesh will get the best of him. He will be the third in the prophetic genes. Therefore, something blessed and powerful will take place in him. It will be supernatural. It was Abraham and then Isaac and now this one is Jacob. He will be the third in the prophetic line. There would be a, a blessing. It should have been Esau, but there was something about Esau that would sell out his double portion and sell out his inheritance for a bowl of soup. He will walk away from the miracle. He will walk away from the blessing. He will walk away from God's favor for something temporal, something that only gratifies and satisfies the flesh. He's got a prophecy on him. He's got a blessing on him. But he walks away from the double portion and the blessings of God just for a bowl of soup. Some people today, amen, in this service will walk out in spite of the powerful move of God in this last song, in spite of the divine visitation of God. God's spirit and the wooing and the drawing and the magnetic pull of the spirit of God for you to come on into a blessed place. There will be some that will walk out like an Esau. They would rather have a bowl of soup or they would be more interested in their flesh and what they can get out of it that's best for them. But I don't know about you. I want to be one of those that's like Jacob that said we can eat later. Amen, I can get what I need to get later, but right now, amen, the presence of God is in here and I need to get what God has. There's a miracle in here for somebody. There's a blessing in here for somebody, but there's gotta be something in you that says, I'm gonna wrestle for it. Amen, I'm not leaving like I came. Touch somebody next to you and say, I'm not leaving like I came. Amen, I'm not leaving like I came. The last two weeks I've made coast-to-coast -coast plane trips, been in all three time zones, both times. My body don't know where I'm at. I've been in more services the last few days than I know what to do with. I've driven from, flew from St. Louis to San Francisco, rented, repacked, rented a car, drove five hours to Tulare, preached way too long that night, got up the next morning, drove to Stockton to see my nephew that I hadn't seen in a couple of years, spent all day with him in one set of clothes and one suit, went to two services, drove all night, got back about three into Tulare, got up yesterday, went to church again, went to sleep last night, got up and drove this morning to church. My body don't know where I am, but you know what? My mind knows I'm in the presence of God again and I may have been in this for 40 something years but I'm not going to leave
leave this service like I came. I need a word from God. Oh, I'm preaching, but I need God to make this word get in my own spirit. Tell somebody and say, I'm not leaving like I came. Let me hurry so Jacob will then feel the hand of blessing as his father Isaac will lay his hand upon him and begin to proclaim the blessing on him. Oh, he will pull a trick because his name means liar and trickster and shyster. He will trick his father into thinking he's Esau. He will put animal fur on his arms and he will he will make himself smell like the wild because Esau was a man of the field. And, and uh, Jacob said, it feels like, uh, or Isaac said, it feels like Esau, but it sounds like Jacob. But something in Jacob was able to convince his dad that no, this isn't Jacob, this is Esau. And so, hey man, Isaac reaches out believing he was blind then and couldn't see and he believed it was Esau. And so he laid his hand over on, hey man, to uh, Jacob head believing it was Esau and pronounced the blessing on him can I just feel to say this right here when we're praying for the sick and praying for people with needs and we're getting ready to go into the altar again and pray some more but when we lay hands on folks and we begin to lay our hands on their head it is symbolic of taking authority on everything from head to toe and whether it's physical mental or spiritual we are laying hands on it we are prophesying healing and we're speaking healing and hear me today amen it's not just mental games it's not just physical gymnastics or calisthenics, but today somebody is having a prophecy spoken over you and there's a miracle working in your body right now. There's a deliverance working in your situation right now. Turn around and touch somebody and say, they're laying hands on me. Come on, tell somebody they're laying hands on me and God's working a miracle. So Jacob gets the blessing says of Esau, I hate Esau. He said, I love Jacob. Now, Jacob's a liar and a cheater, but he said, I can work with that. Amen. Esau can say, but I'm holy. I never lied. Yeah, but you didn't want nothing. I hate that. I can work with this liar, but I can't work with somebody that doesn't have any real hunger for me. He that hungereth and thirsteth after righteousness shall be. If there's something that God hates, God hates somebody, amen, that doesn't give a care. I, as we say in Texas, don't give a flip. Amen. I don't care whether I get anything or not. God said, I hate that Esau spirit that doesn't want, amen, what I want to give. But Jacob, he's lied and cheated and done all kinds of stuff. God said, I can work with the liar and the cheater. Why? Because his name is greater and his blood's more powerful. He can, he can stop us from lying and he can stop us from cheating, but he can't force us to want what God wants to give us. So now it comes time to deal with Jacob's flesh as he matures. The two boys have separated. And Jacob is running because Esau's trying to kill him. Now Esau's got him hemmed in, so Jacob divides up his house, sends one group of the family one way, another group of family the another way. And he knows at the brook Jabbok, I'm a dead man in the morning. He's praying, he's worshiping, and while he's worshiping, he begins to say, Lord, deliver me. Lord, deliver me. And while he's saying that, an angel, a theophany, a manifestation of God in angelic form shows up and begins to grab a hold of Jacob. And Jacob begins to wrestle. And he says, tell me what your name is. And the angel says, I can't tell you. You tell me what your name is. Now I asked you first. You tell me. And they're wrestling and they're tumbling. Jacob, do you get it? Jacob was wrestling in the womb. He was tumbling and tossing. And now when it came time, amen, for deliver, he's wrestling to try to be the first one out of the womb. And now he's doing what he's got to do to get the blessing. But now. He's about to have a holy encounter with God in spite of his past and in spite of his problem and in spite of his character flaw. The angel shows up. I hope you got that. Hey, man, you may be thinking, I don't know why God would show up. I'm not good and I've done this wrong and maybe you did something wrong last night, but God's not worried about what you did wrong. If you got a little desire in you, you got a little passion in you, God said, I can work with what you did wrong. Hey, man, I can touch you and change you in one day. Finally, the angel says, you got to let me go. There's the breaking of the day. There's a shift. There's something about to happen. And Jacob, being very intuitive and perceptive, he understood. He said, oh, the day's breaking. It's changing. There's a change happening. And some there's a temptation to let it go right at the point of change. You've endured all night. You've suffered all night long. You've wrestled all night long. And now you get weary. And, and you're thinking, what's the use? But I've come to tell somebody, the day is breaking 
I'm trying to stay with my nose, but I feel the Holy Ghost. I was supposed to be in Tulare today and had to postpone that meeting, and then the Lord opened the door here for me to be here today, so I wasn't supposed to be here, so I'm just believing that God had something for you, and I want to say to this church, you're working hard, and I want to say to people, you're wrestling, and you're wrestling with situations, you're wrestling with the past, but once you've done it for a long time, you get to the point where you want to give up and throw in the towel, but I want to tell you it's at the breaking of day, amen, that everything is about to change. Weeping may endure for a night but joy is coming come on somebody touch your neighbor say joy is coming there's about to be a shift there's about to be a change there's about to be an elevation come on somebody there's about to be a lifting in somebody's life if you believe that clap your hands to the Lord I hope you're getting what I'm saying. Hey, man, there's a breaking. Hey, man, I wish I could tell you. Now, your series is the rhythm of life, so let me get plain with you. I wish I could tell you that life, even in the church, would be perfect and wonderful and nothing would be wrong. I wish I could tell you that when you got the Holy Ghost, everything would just be boom, shakalaka, and you wouldn't have no trouble. And I know the preachers now in these last 20 years have lied to everybody. They want everybody to be positive. They want everybody to be, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And that's fake, and God hates fake. I'd like the whole time be hallelujah, praise the Lord. But I don't feel like hallelujah, praise the Lord. Amen. I got Bible that says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. I got Bible that says your days on earth will be short, but they will be long, few, but they will be full of trouble. Amen. I wish I could tell you life would be fair and, and, and rhythm would be wonderful, but every now and then there's a hitch and you giddy up. And, amen. You rest and you play and you do all the things you can, but the storm still shows up. I'm preaching real now and I ain't going to get no amens. But I've come to tell you when life hits you square in the face, I got a word from the Lord. There's a breaking coming. Amen. The sun's going to come up. It's not abnormal to go through life. It's not abnormal to go through hell. It's not abnormal to go through trouble. And I'm sorry. I know I'm screaming a little bit. I'm trying to be all cool. But the reason most of us are frustrated is because we're scratching our heads over what we thought was going to be the quote-unquote abundant life. We've presented it as such that when you even get in church, everything's just going to be wonderful. But I'm going to be honest with you and tell you, you can be in church and be raised in church. And all hell break loose. That's real. Thank you, all five of you. I didn't know. I, I should have took your notes and talked with them. I think that's why some pastors are freaking out when the phone calls keep coming, you know, and it's hospital this and hospital that, and you're like, I taught him just the Bible. He doesn't know just the Bible. What's wrong with him? It's called life, Pookie. Amen. Now, the key is, is you got to get a revelation for your situations. You have to get a revelation that's bigger than situation. Situation is your five senses. And your five senses feel all the hell and the pain and all the trouble. I'm teaching now and off my notes. I gotta get where you are. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get a revelation that's gonna be greater than your situations. Am I preaching good, Elder? Amen. Now you can act all high brown, act like never everything goes wrong, but you're a liar, liar, pants on fire. And God can still work with you. Or dress on fire. Whichever fits you. Fellas, you ain't wearing no dresses. Devil is a lie. Would you look at somebody and say, laugh, he's doing good right now. But there's things that happen now. What you have to have is you have to have a revelation that's greater than the situation you're in or the circumstance. Situation is circumstance. Now what life and the enemy wants you to think is when you get in an unfavorable situation, that's when you just clock out. People do crazy stuff. If they have all hell break loose in their life, so they grab a gun. Not the gun's fault, but they grabbed the gun. Well, they could have grabbed a gun. They could have grabbed a bat. They could have grabbed, uh, broke a piece of glass. They could have drove a car through the building. I mean, could have done anything. But they're freaked out because they're all freaked out. Thinking, we'll just wipe out a bunch of people. So you run to school, shoot two or three people, and then you blame the gun. Dumb gun won't do nothing if you leave it alone. But now, dumb people can be stupid. I ain't gonna get political, but I am right. 
NASCAR the other day had a car just flip out and just went all this, spun all up in, don't act like you didn't see it, car just spun all up in the net and hit, just hurt 23 people. You don't see nobody out on the cars. Stupid car, I mean, it hit 23 people. What in the name of God? Why did it stay on the car? That's like blaming the gun for shooting when the gun can't shoot itself. Say amen because I'm right. I mean, a car can't hurt nobody if it's sitting there, but now you put a fool behind it and you get him running 220 miles an hour with a bunch of other cars running 220, stuff happens. But it ain't the car's fault. You drove it 220. You drove it too close to the guy. You clipped the bumpers. That causes a wreck. Now, it ain't the car's fault. Please say amen because I am right. So just because somebody's having a bad day, that don't mean you grab a grenade or grab a smoke bomb or grab tear gas and go gas out a building because you're having a bad day or you lost your job. It's be, and the reason people act a fool like that is because they don't have a revelation for their situation. They think because you went to school 15 years longer than the rest of us and that's your fault. <laughs> I'm playing. You'll make the big money, but you can write me a check. Hallelujah. Amen. We think because we get all this education, get all these cars, and you get you know six thousand square feet and three cars and Rolls Royce and each spring and winter and fall house that you got, you got all this stuff. You think there ain't gonna be no problem? But I ride on planes. I sit next to rich people because every now and then I get upgraded. Boom shakalaka. I have paid for some, but most of the time I don't. But I fake it. I drink with my pinky out, make them think I'm all that. I try to. I, one thing I don't do like rich people, and that's act like a snob. Rich people, man, crazy. Walk up on her and treat stewardess. You know, if I was a stewardess, I'd jab slap some of these people. <laughs> you just want the whole plane to turn around because you showed up. Devil is a lie. Sit down and shut your mouth. Anyway, I feel better now. Hallelujah. And so you get up there in the first class and you can't believe the rich people that have broke down onto me level crying just like they're fighting tears on the ground. Don't let the enemy make you think that if you had a Jaguar and you had a 6,000 square foot house, and if the man would have never left you, and if he would have not beat you, and he would not beat you, don't, don't, don't even let them think that, well, if I'd have just had all this, I'd be happy. There's people got all that stuff, and they're not happy. You know what? You can have a Volkswagen and be happy and feel like you're driving in a limousine. But you can be driving in a limousine in the back seat while somebody else is driving you and feel like you're riding in a Volkswagen. See, you ain't saying nothing. I'm all up in you now. You can have 6,000 square feet and feel like you're in a two-foot cave. Or you can live in a one-room apartment and feel like you got room to play tag. Tag, you it. What is it? It's, it's your situation. It's how you deal with your situation. You'd be like me. I got everything in storage. I got a little bit in the house in Fort Wayne. Got rest in the storage and 12 boxes of books. That's all I got. But I look good. Come on, somebody. Amen. You would never know. You until I opened my big mouth, you'd think I was the boo shakalaka. But I'm just like you. I got stuff that I almost said a bad word. I got stuff going on in my I got stuff going on in my life that would blow your mind. And I'm the one preaching, but I'm gonna tell somebody that what life wants to do is get your situation and present you with some evidence. Some stuff you can look at. Because here I'm going to jump ahead in the story. Joseph becomes Jacob's favorite child. He gives Joseph a coat of many colors. God's going to use Joseph. He's going to be the fourth in line of prophetic blessing. Which means now God's going to establish everything he has prophesied. That's another. I need to come back and teach on that. That's, that's boom. Shaka, shaka, laka right there. <laughs> Joseph is the man with the plan. The cat that knows where it's at. He's going to be from the school of the cool. Amen. I mean, every daddy's got everything in Joseph. He's made, Taylor made him a coat. It's going to be wonderful, but his brethren hate him. Listen to me. I wish I could tell you that when you live for God and you're the blessed of God, that even your family would like it. But I've been preaching too long to tell you, amen, there are some times whenever you want things from God, amen, there's going to be some people that don't want you to get what God has. They'd rather you be drunk. They'd rather you be on crack. They'd rather you keep going to the strip club. They'd rather you keep laying around with everybody than for you to get to church and you to get your life together and you have one husband or one wife. Come on, somebody. They'd rather you battle drunk in a hangover every week than you would to not have any more hangovers. Look at me. Amen. Sometimes your worst enemies are the people closest to you. 
Everybody don't want you happy. Everybody don't want you blessed. Everybody, even your family would rather you be busted, broke, busted, and disgusted. But there's got to be something in you said, I hear the word of God. I hear the voice of God. I'm going to be what God wants me to be. Come on, touch somebody and say, I'm blessed. Come on, look at somebody and say, I'm blessed. Don't be drinking Haterade. Haterade. Look at somebody and say, don't drink Haterade. Amen. I'm blessed. Amen. I'm blessed. I may not have a big old house, but I'm blessed. Come on, somebody. You know what? And so when I'm blessed, you become the hated. Because brethren want you to be normal like the rest of us. They want you messing with the same junk I'm messing with. You in the church. Listen to me. Your worst day in the church is greater than your best day in the world. Trouble's gonna come on people that aren't in church and people that are in church, but I'd rather be in church and God holding me up than I would be out in the world and nothing to hold me and my whole world falling apart. I got news for you. I may not know where God is on the right, the left, the front, or the back, but the good news is he knows the way that we take and when we come out of this, we're gonna be like gold. That's the rhythm of life. You walk in the spirit. You don't walk after your flesh. You say, God, what do you want me to do today? What can I do to please you? That's the real rhythm. Oh, you're going to rest and you're going to play and I need to do all that. I just made my mind up while you was preaching. Thank you for convicting me. I get back to Fort Wayne. I'm getting my golf clubs. I got to trade them in because they were given to me and they're a pro set and Pookie ain't a pro. Ain't got about, about a half inch sweet spot and I can't hit it on them clubs. So I'm going to give you one that's about three inches wide so I can hit them. Bring them back to Cali. Ain't no sense being in California without my sticks. Thank you, all three of you. The rest of you are like, I don't care about your golf. It's all right. I'm going to play because a preacher convicted me today. Amen. I'm going to play. I ain't played three rounds in two years. The devil is a lie. Oh, well. <laughs> so because the brethren hating, now watch life. His brethren hating. Now, the older brother, Reuben, has got responsibility because he's now the oldest in the house. And he's off somewhere. And while he's gone, the rest of the brothers, they conspire against the blessed one. Haterade. Hey, we're going to get rid of him. He thinks he's all that in a bag of chips. We'll show him. They rip his coat off of him and they throw him into a pit. He's down in there screaming, wanting out. Finally, they look up and here comes a a caravan of merchantmen. They said, I tell you what let's do. Let's sell him to the merchantmen. Wish I had time. Let's, let's, let's just get rid of him. We'll get some money out of this anyway. We'll split it. So they pull Joseph up out of the pit. They sell him to the slave auction owners. And listen, down the road they go. Reuben shows up and says, where's Joseph? They said, he's gone. What happened? They reach around. And now they've grabbed his coat and they've killed a goat or a lamb and they've put it, the coat down in that lamb and that lamb's blood. What are we going to do? We ain't going to do nothing except we're just going to show daddy the coat. Can I borrow your little jacket? Thank you. We're just going to show it to daddy. Now, look, daddy's whole future is in Joseph because you're not a success if you don't have a successor. The success of Jacob is not just in all the kids he's got. The success of Jacob is that he's going to have a son that is blessed. So everything daddy has lived for is wrapped up in Joseph. And when they come walking back in, shoulders are down, heads slumped. He said, he said what's wrong, boys? Daddy. Is this your son's coat? They didn't say what happened. They presented evidence. They presented what looked like to be a report. And said, what do you think that is? Is that your son's? Jacob's mind 
raced to the worst scenario. And he said, it's my sickness. He said, no doubt a wild beast has devoured him. He went to the worst scenario because of evidence. And the evidence suggested that a wild beast had destroyed him. The evidence suggested it was Joseph's blood. The evidence suggested he was rent in pieces. What he thought was not right. Because what Jacob didn't know was Joseph was still Oh, he was a prisoner for a while. He was in a pit. He was in Potiphar's house. He got thrown back in prison again. He interpreted two guys' dreams. They both one got killed, which was true prophecy. Prophecy. The other one got out. That was true prophecy. But the other guy that got out forgot about Joseph. You know, sometimes you help people and they forget about you. But it's more blessed, blessed to give than it is to receive. Love seeketh not its own. It's not puffed up. Vaunteth not itself doth not behave itself unseemly. Sometimes you just, because you're a person of love, you just give and give. You don't give like, well, I'll give if you give. Well, I'm going to quit giving because you quit giving. No, love doesn't give to give. Love gives to give. Jacob says, I will go down to my son's grave and mourn him. And now he rends his clothes, which was a sign of mourning. And he spends the next many years in mourning and weeping and crying because he believes Evidence that says Joseph has been destroyed and a wild beast has torn him to pieces. And so in his mind, it's over. But what he doesn't know is Joseph will eventually be lifted to be second command in Egypt. But now all the way back, daddy is mine. He's tearing me apart. But really, he was about to get the miracle that would sustain him and his family forever. But I'm trying to tell somebody, you're here today and you're looking at evidence in your life and you look at the evidence and it says one thing, it says, too late, over, 27 years old, life isn't worth living. What? I'm going to be 50 in a month and a half. I still got some living to do. You're too young to be looking at somebody walking out on you or somebody firing you or somebody. Let's, look, let's say it this way and I'll close. How many of you when you were in high school thought you would be where you are right now? Come on, be honest. How many of you thought it would be way better than it is? I'm going to give an altar call. The rest of y'all can repent in a minute. Liar, liar, you're all on fire. Hallelujah. Now, how many of you thought, how many of you thought this is exactly the way it would be when you was in high school? Y'all had big houses and white picket fences and Jaguars. I mean, Jag. Maybe I maybe the Holy Ghost has talked to me. Maybe a Pookie needs a Jag. I'm a black man trapped with white body, so you know I lean when I drive. Ain't no toothpicks and cowboy hats here, baby. I'm, I'm leaning. I got my roll on, you know. Now, y'all do what you want. You got your big truck and your big wheels, whatever you want. But in my mind, I was rolling down the road. I was, I'm telling you. I, look, they don't believe me. I, my first car was a Volkswagen, and in the back of the Volkswagen, I built a little old platform up in there with two big old two-by-fours under it. had my Jensen speakers in there, triaxle. And I put pillars all up underneath, all the way up to the top, because the more pillars I put, anyway, boom, chicka, chicka, boom, boom, chicka, boom, boom. More pillars, I got that bassy. Now that's that's pre big old stuff y'all got. Now see, mine cost me eighty five dollars. Y'all's cost eight thousand. Nah, 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 nah. I have a little. It wasn't enough. wasn't enough thunder in it, so I bought me a little booster over here. A little one button push, about that big. It went from boom, chicka, chicka, boom, chicka, boom, boom, boom. And my little Volkswagen Super Beetle with my Super Beetle mats, man, I was. Clean, boy, I had white 
Ooh, I had the wheels. I took them tires off, took them wheels off, sanded them down, sandblasted them, painted them down. Got me some little money, little fun money, bought me some tires with little words on it. I could get out there with SOS pads, scrub every letter. Then I'd drive. It'd be just shining, boy. as nice as it got. But we, we just have it all. That ain't life. Stuff happens. But now what the enemy does with our stuff is he takes a little evidence and he presents it as the whole to make you think that it's over. But it's not. We're glad you're here. Maybe the Lord canceled me up there so I can come down here and talk to you. It's not over. It doesn't matter if they walked out. You're pretty. Now, if they walked out on you, that's the stupid they are. Give me some skin right there. You all right? See, now she's happy. That's what I'm telling like a T, I'm telling like a T I is. You know, some girl walked off on you. What? Man, I'm the boom shaka laka. What you need this for? I know what's up up in here, boy. You think I'm going to go crazy? You're going you gonna to go crazy because he left? What? Don't let the door hit you in the backside, baby. Get on up out of here. What I'm trying to tell somebody is you can't look at the evidence and think it is the end of the story. I'm preaching good now. Hey, man, I've come to tell somebody that there is more things going on than you can believe. What Jacob doesn't know is the very thing that's going to change his whole life. Joseph is still alive. Joseph is a type of Christ. And he's over here preparing the future because when the famine hits, they're going to come to Joseph. They ain't going to know it's Joseph, but Joseph is going to take care of them. What I'm trying to tell you is what's going on in your life right now isn't the whole story. There's somebody on the other side of your mess saying, I'm going to make a way of escape for you. There's a better life coming. There's a better future than you had. Touch three people say, it's going to get better than this. It's going to get better. Come on, I need my musicians. I hope I'm helping somebody. Now, the beauty is you say, how can my future be better? When they took that coat, Pastor, and they dipped it in that lamb's blood, it was a type of cow. Jesus can make everything better. I'm going to tell somebody that God can touch you so good in just the next few minutes that a doctor's report will come back completely opposite of what it was. God can touch you so good today that you'll get up in the morning and look at yourself in the mirror and say, what happened to you? And it is that you're not willing to look at the evidence as the whole story. Grab somebody's hand next to you. Abraham, I need you to offer up my your son, your only son, Isaac. So Abraham obeys, takes Isaac up to the top of Mount Moriah. He's about to offer him up. He's tied him up. He's laid him on the wood. He's going to slay him, and then he's going to start the fire. As he pulls the knife and starts to slay him, the angel of the Lord says, Stop, Abraham. There is a ram caught in the thickets. Now, if you look at the story, this ram is not supposed to be at the top of the mountain. But God said, As you obey me and come up one side, as you move up, I'm going to bring you an answer up the other side. Because he said, I will provide myself a sacrifice. So as Abraham was obeying and not questioning, coming up the mountain, the answer was coming up the other side. He didn't know it. The evidence looked like this is going to be horrible. My, how am I going to explain this to my wife? The evidence looked absolutely awful. But coming up the other side of the mountain was an answer. God said, I will provide. 
Whatever's going on in your life right now, it's not the final story, mother. It ain't over. Your end can be better than your end beginning. He said your latter house will be greater than the former house. The enemy wants you to focus on what is behind. God said, I want you to focus on what is ahead of you. It may look like Egypt. It may seem like you're in a famine and it may seem like there's no food. But if you'll just follow my leading, I'm worried. All things work together. Everything's working. Your lack, the divorce, the marital trouble, the kid trouble, financial trouble, job trouble, home trouble, life trouble. God said, I'm going to take all of that. And it works together for the good. See, it's time we get real in church. Because we're not helping anybody acting like we got it all going on. Now that don't mean you got to walk around some thumb sucking all the time and all down in the dumps and being depressed. But it's all right that they see you cry. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Listen, look at Brother Godwin. Let's see, this is Sunday, Friday night. I left Sacramento. And just outside Sacramento, I started crying. Heaving tears. Gasping. Worried about my son. Worried about my future. I'm the preacher. I was literally sobbing. I called four of my elders, talked to them, called a couple of friends. Doesn't mean I'm perfect? No. Doesn't mean I'm a bad person? No. Everything that's going on, God's going to take every bit of it. And it's going to end up working for my good. It's going to all end up, Mama, working for your good. Now you look at the evidence and you're like, I don't know. But you're not up to the evidence now. Your faith has got to say, I lean not to my own understanding. But in all of my ways, in all, everybody say, in all of my ways, I acknowledge God. That's all He wants is in our situations to acknowledge Him and say, God, I know you live. I don't know where you are right now, but I know you know. Somebody lift your hand and say, God. Come on, lift your hand and say, God, I know you know. I know you know where I'm at. I know you know. I'm sick, but you know. I got a bad doctor's report, but you know. Family's being rocked, but God, you know. Finances are going crazy. Everybody say it with me, but God, you know. God, you know. Stand to your feet. Brother Hill's going to lead us in just a little worship. If you're here and you would like a little bit more prayer, I want you to make your way right down here to this altar and acknowledge God. Say, God, I acknowledge you. I'm going to walk out of my seat, walk down to this altar. I'm going to lift both my hands. I don't understand all this evidence, but I know you're going to work it out for my good. Come in close. Come on, Brother He'll lead us. I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. Seated on His throne. Come on, lift your hands. I see you, Lord. You're still in charge of everything. Come on, get somebody by the hand, lift it up in the air. Come on. Come on. That's it. Come on. Come on, husband. Come on, wife. That's it. Lift those hands. It's okay. It's not always going to be rough and bumpy. Come on. It fills the temple. And the angels serve. Come on, all the workers, find somebody to pray with right now. You are holy. 
Come on, lift somebody's hand up. I'm not going to hate on you. I'm going to love you through your trouble. We're going to love you through life's pain, life's ups and downs. We're going to love you. Lord of all. Come on, praise him, somebody. you lift your hands up a little bit higher. Come on. God, in the middle of my chaos, I acknowledge you. In the middle of the storm, I see you out there on the water. Bid me come to thee on the water. In the storm and the rough winds and seas, let me come to you. I acknowledge you.
us with it. You are holy. He's going to help us. I come to give you abundant life. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.
Praise the Lord. Amen. We stand together one more time before we leave here today. Let's stand together. Amen. God is merciful today. God has spoken. Words of hope and encouragement. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is still flowing and ministering in this place. You've got to choose to receive what God has spoken to you today. Choose to believe. Amen. That God can put together what seems broken. God can heal what's wounded. God can restore what's been stolen. And God can bring peace even through loss. God can bring peace in the midst of the storm. Amen. How many believe that? How many really, really believe that? That God is moving and working? Praise God. I want to encourage you if you're here today and you felt the presence of God and uh, you feel like God is drawing you, I believe it's important for you to go ahead and take that next step, take that step of responding to the Spirit. The obvious, most obvious first step is to come back next week. There's something about getting in an environment of faith with other believers. Come back to the house of God. Be connected with what's happening here. Second step is to uh, find out what it takes to belong here. The best way to do that is to come back here next week at 10 o'clock. Right back in the back room, there's a class, New to Life. It explains what it means to find new life in Jesus Christ, where you will hear about water baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and about getting connected to the body. I encourage you to be a part of that. I don't want you to walk out of here, as, as the preacher said, the same way that you came, or even having experienced the touch of God, but leave here and just say, that was powerful, I'll always remember that. I want this to be a first step for the rest of your life. Anybody believe that right now, that this today is a first step for the rest of your life? Amen. Amen. And there's two things that uh, I want to share with you with excitement. It's at 3 o'clock in the uh, uh, programming center right behind here is our SALT meeting for everybody in Life Church.